0: Welcome to Peace Lab, the podcast focused on current events, faith, and peacemaking from a Mennonite perspective. I'm Jason Boone of the Peace and Justice Support Network, joined by my co-host Hannah Heinziger of the Mennonite magazine and website. And today we're doing something a little different on Peace Lab uh, in response to the huge tragedy of Hurricane Harvey and the destruction that it's wrought. We're really grateful to have uh, Kevin King with us today. Kevin, of course, is executive director of Mennonite Disaster Service, and his hands are full down there, but he's taking some time to give us an update here. We really appreciate that. Kevin, just to start out, I guess we'd all like to know, when did MDS get on the scene down there in Houston and the surrounding areas, and what are you seeing on the ground?
1: Yeah, we got here uh, Wednesday morning, uh, day four or day five. Right now, it's hard. My days are all mixed up, but uh, we flew into Austin well enough out of the disaster scene. And we were met with uh, three of my colleagues here on the ground. So there are four of us. We see ourselves as an investigative crew. So we do not have any shovels or chainsaws in our hands. We learned over the number of years, it's best to get a a Joshua or a Caleb (laughs) team in and kind of scout out the territory and then call in the teams once we find meaningful work and places where MDS could find ourselves. So we hit the ground running. On Wednesday, early in the morning, and it ended up being a 22-hour day for us. Uh, It was a long, long day, and which I knew when you do these kinds of things, there's just no way to describe it. It's taking all of your senses. Well, if you'd see us, we'd have an earbud in one ear listening to maybe cable news. The guy in front of me, Carl, is from Michigan but grew up here. He's on Twitter. Our driver is, of course, driving. But he's got. uh, We're on conference quite a bit back and forth with our headquarters, and taking calls. And I've got my communications guy Nate beside us, and he is of course answering questions. Facebook and uh, social media has revolutionized uh, disaster response these days, Uh, even comparing with Sandy in 2012 and Katrina in 2005. So that could be a whole other topic of the importance of Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, and uh, website. MDS is not always the leading edge of that. Sometimes we're the trailing edge, but it's been powerful how to stay impacted by that. Our primary mission was to check in with the churches. I've learned over the years, if you can check, if there's Mennonite or Anabaptist congregations in the affected area or nearby, it's helpful to start with them and check in with them to see if they're okay. If you want, I can just to tell you a little bit of what we saw.
2: seems sort of unfathomable just hearing it on the news. So yeah, tell us a little bit about what you've seen and, and what you're experiencing.
1: We uh, First of all, we went to Bastrop County, Bastrop, Texas, which is southeast of Austin. That's where MDS has been working since 2011 and just closed shop. They had fires and floods there, and there was fears that they got, would get flooded again. But we went there and uh, checked in with our partners and friends. Uh, the long-term recovery president, and uh, she informed us right away. She says, oh, guess what? I have some folks who are waiting to see you. The whole city administration of Rockport relocated to our public library here in Bastrop. So this was uh, Rockport. Uh, By the way, there are just so many uh, God moments, I can't even describe to you and fill a whole book. In these investigation days, it's just the hand of God that we often say we go in a wing in a prayer. But uh, here was the city administration relocated about 200 miles inland to Bastrop County. And so we were able to uh, right away get an audience with the uh, officials and have a good inter- introduction as to what their needs are. From there, we punched south and then it became more obvious. We were heading towards where the hurricane came ashore started going to communities, and and, uh, we are looking for small communities that have been harmed by Hurricane Harvey. So you come into a town, of course, there's no electricity, there's no gas anymore. So we check in with the fire hall to find out who's in charge of the city, where are the needs, and then we're redirected here and there, and you just go on and on. So that first day, we probably put in over 500 miles of investigating like that. 1130 that night, we got back to Austin to sleep. But uh, we couldn't make it all the way down to Rockport. They told us it's not safe. There are still gas leaks and they weren't allowing residents back. So we got closer to the town such as Lagrange. We stopped there and made some contacts. Then we went south even further. And these are communities like Elkhart and Goshen that they haven't seen the light of day of any major national organizations because it's still under search and rescue phase. But it's incredible. The first responders are really not the fire and police, but it's actually neighbor helping neighbor. reminds me of Robert Frost says, good fences make good neighbors. Often actually disasters tear down those fences and you meet your neighbor. So people are coming together and it's incredible. These churches, all kinds of walks of uh, faith-based groups, So in LaGrange, we found the warehouse was abandoned. And the lady said, If you would have seen this warehouse yesterday, you wouldn't have believed your eyes. She was so proud. There must have been 70 people in there sorting clothing. People are coming all over dropping off water, infant formula, feminine products, soap, food, canned food. Just to see that was amazing. Of course, Mennonite Disaster Service, we don't get into material aid, uh, we do the volunteer. So again, all we could do was cheer them on, leave our cards saying, should you need cleanup or muck out teams or chainsaw crews, let us know. We did talk with a city administrator. Looked like he hadn't slept in, uh, well, obviously it didn't for four days. We offered a prayer for him and his colleagues. Those human moments are touching. Across town, we came to a trailer park 50 trailers that were completely submerged and are now are uh, condemned. All around this trailer park were the families sitting in their cars, wondering when they were able to get back to get any final possessions they could even muster out. The stench, the heat was just overwhelming. It's really heart rendering We talked to a few residents and offered them an encouraging word. That at least they didn't find any bodies. Fortunately, it was still under search and rescue. And as we kept going south, of course, conditions kept getting worse. Uh, Going down into Victoria County, we came to the Emergency Operations Center. Victoria is maybe the size of Elkhart. We got there unbeknownst to us. Pence was arriving yesterday. And so we felt like there was a certain kind of excitement in the air. We left, got back in the car, and we got a phone call and said, oh, there is somebody down here in Emergency Operations Center that wants to see you. So We went back down into the maze through the town hall building and found this lady in a wheelchair. She said, I used to work for the Red Cross, but I know the Mennonites, and I know you can help us. She said, I know what you can do. I know your capabilities. Here, just a minute, I'm going to bring in the county commissioner. He came in, he sat down. All we said was a few words to describe that we're we have over 130 people on our list waiting to come in and with their chainsaws and buckets and brooms and skid steers, where do you need us? He couldn't talk. His tears welled up in his face. He said, I need help for my people. Come follow me. So we got in the pickup and followed him across town and working in this kind of work for 14 years, but it's always hard to describe. This was very poverty stricken community. These were shack, 500, 600 house community and they all received tremendous damage. If their roof wasn't blown off, there were still plywood sheets on it. And so we went down the street, house after house. Well, they recognized his pickup and they saw labels on our magnets on our doors. And right away, people started coming out to the roadside pleading for help. We stopped. I remember uh, David and his wife and the four grandchildren. Their house is pretty well destroyed and they're sleeping out underneath a tarp on a wet sofa. Fortunately, there is cell phone coverage. We kept encouraging people, wherever we went, to call the 1-800-621-FEMA number to register. Yes, said David, we did. My neighbors are starting to get assignments to go to hotels from FEMA, but we haven't got a call back. So those kinds of conversations just went on and on down through the street. Another lady pulled up and said, please, sir, please, where can I get water, where can I get infant formula? (laughs) What do you say? But, you know, of course, my phone, doing this work for 14 years, I have probably 1,200 contacts. I guess I'm like the old-fashioned telephone operator. made a few calls and found out that the FEMA computers were down briefly. Hopefully, they got help. Or another fellow says, well, someone did loan me a generator, but, sir, I'm sorry, but I don't have enough money to put gas in it. And this went on and on, street after street, Commissioner Danny looks to us and says, you see my need, I need help. (laughs) We were at a good spot. We were able to make a conference call back to the bi-national headquarters and said, send the stuff, uh, get it started. That's what we're working frantically now with our staff back home, getting volunteers coordinated. There's four things that MDS needs to have a successful project. One is we need volunteers. That's who we are. Secondly is accommodations. When we bring volunteers into a disaster zone, everybody else is looking for a home too, a dry roof, some meals to eat, a shower. And here we bring volunteers to compete with that. So what we do often is bring our own units. Shower trailers, kitchen trailers, bunk houses, tool trailers, pickups, vans. It's a huge capital investment. Well, the challenge for us right now is managing our resources. We're already committed to continue to working in disasters in seven other locations throughout U.S. and Canada. And so we just say we need to respond and we pray to God that our churches will respond because we're making commitments. <laughs> we're going to start ordering pickups and shower trailers and we go on a wing in a prayer. So accommodations are huge for us. Of course, when these volunteers come, they work hard. Thirdly, meaningful work. You know, volunteers take off time, they come. Of course, there's no doubt there's meaningful work here in, in Hurricane Harvey land. Fourthly, of course, then in the long-term recovery phase, you need money for material. And uh, that's when we count on the local community, the donations. We do not provide, normally, money for rebuilding homes. So that's when we look to the community, or foundations or the Red Cross or others to provide funding for the homeowner to build back. That's a long ramble, Jason, but uh, or maybe just to add a few more things. How does this compare to other disasters in the past? I certainly would say this is perhaps the largest catastrophic event since Katrina. There's already over 500,000 people registered with FEMA. So this is blowing out all the stops for FEMA. The other complicating factor to this is enormity to this. From Corpus Christi to Beaumont, they're on the border with Louisiana and Texas, and as far north to Houston and further north and over to Austin. I mean, you can drive four hours and still not get out of the disaster zone. Complicated, of course, then by roads that are flooded detours.
0: well Kevin thanks for for giving us just some insight on what's going on on the ground there and as we hear and, and the needs start to come more into focus I, I know we want to help in, in all the different ways that we can and there's so many organizations that that are on the ground performing different functions but so how, how can someone who wants to support the work of MDS how do they start to work on those pillars how can they volunteer how can they help fund that work how can we get involved in and show that love that we yeah. want neighbors rebuild.
1: We really uh, stress the importance of what I call pray, pay, and go. <laughs> pray, as in pray for those that have experienced tremendous loss. Uh, for example, the, the whole county of, uh, and along the Gulf Coast, they've just decided they've suspended schools indefinitely. They don't know what to do. And they're getting the word out, wherever you are with your children throughout Texas, send them to school there. We don't have schools anymore here in Aransas County. There'll be other counties perhaps getting the same message out. So I would say pray for these uh, hurricane survivors. Pray for the responders and people meeting the needs. Secondly, I would say is continue to donate. Financial gifts are the best. There's nothing like cash because you don't have to warehouse it. You don't have to sort it. You don't have to ship it because what we end up doing is then purchasing supplies locally, ordering them in by the truckload, and that stimulates the local economy rather than bringing a bottle of water all the way from uh, Timbuktu when literally I can maybe drive a couple miles and. Find some entrepreneurial person under a shade tree with a pickup selling water, or right now they're giving water everywhere. And thirdly, of course, go to our website and sign up to volunteer for a week or more. This will be a long-term response. Why do I say that? Well, a rule of 10, and the rule of 10 is it's taking about seven to 10 days for search and rescue. That's about wrapping up now. So that's been seven days. Multiply that by 10 it'll be 70 days or two months of just clean out. Not rebuilding, but cleaning out. And then times 10, it'll be probably three, four years of rebuilding. This formula of the rule of 10 worked as well in Katrina too. Help gauge us to remember where this is a marathon, not a sprint. The other thing I want to say just to report in about the churches, we, uh, we've made contact with most of them. Conference leaders reached out to us. I thank them for that. Uh, It was great to hear, email, all kinds of words getting in. So, of course, uh, San Antonio is fine, John Garland. uh, Marty Troyer at Houston Mennonite doing well, and that church is reaching out to others. We made a visit to Corpus Christi, Pastor Felipe. He needs a new roof. So the generosity is just overwhelming. I called back to a roofing company in Ephrata, and they decided to donate it. We found an excavating company to truck it. They're leaving Sunday morning, and we found the roofing crew in Seminole, Texas, that's meeting us down here next week, and they'll put it on. I like that for Mennonite coming together? Mennonite can't sit. Here's another one for you. And actually, Mennonite... <laughs> The reputation is, is so humbling in these moments. While we're in this era of taking Mennonites off our marquee, I get emotional. Folks, I wish you could be here with me. Tremendous witness. that Mennonite sense is so humbling. We stopped at a Boys and Girls Club. Because we thought that would be a good place to set up our RV. Scramble, scramble. The director came out and said, are you the Mennonites? Yes. Oh. You guys are my heroes. You're the best. Oh, excuse me, ma'am. Sorry. uh, What was this? No, she said, I used to live in Pittsburgh. and You rebuilt my home from Hurricane Agnes in 72. Why, John, John, so-and-so. He was my hero. The man, I I love you. And she was scratching, scrambling for her phone. She was going to call for her husband, who's Episcopal pastor there in town. And she wanted him to come over. I'm sorry, ma'am. We got to move on. Oh, but please, can you I'm sorry, ma'am. Here's our card. Thank you very much. This I'm telling you, folks, goes on and on, and uh, our reputation is much larger than what we can deliver. so but that's the truth.
2: I was just gonna say Marty Troyer mentioned that also when I interviewed him earlier this week. He talked Marty, the pastor of Houston Mennonite, talked about how when he moved to the area first, he just kept meeting people who knew about Mennonites from previous help um, and previous hurricane cleanup. Um, And they just had the sense that Mennonites must be a huge presence in the city. And here, you know, there are, I think, four or five congregations. But Marty has talked about that being a, I don't know, something he hopes his church can continue to live into. So I guess the hopes and expectations that people have for how they'll help.
1: Last night we were over in Pasadena, southeastern part of Houston. And we were to meet with Iglesia Mennonita de Farero, the potter's church, Pastor Parchment. Well, he got the word out, and there was like six or seven churches there, not all Mennonite-related. Uh, Hispanic folks hungry just to hear. So we basically gave them disaster 101. You know, the importance of cutting out the, the wet drywall 12 inches above the waterline, getting moisture meters, doing this, where to get this these supplies, and they were just so hungry to info information to take back to their congregation. And they were needing infant formula, and diapers, and so on. So we connected them, of course, with my colleagues and Save the Children and Red Cross and Clean Out Buckets, UCC, case management. We called the Methodist, the, the Red Cross said, "Well, we need uh, we need a contact person. Can you quickly organize yourself?" I said, "Give me five minutes." So I put her on hold, and they are a self-identified, lovely young lady, bilingual. She's going to be the coordinator of those churches to receive truckloads of supplies to distribute in uh, Pasadena. I think many times Mennonites can be the yeast and spark and demonstrate what the kingdom of God is all about. I know I can just talk on because, hey, nobody else can call me if I'm talking to you. I think what's beautiful, too, is the communities that we have worked in, we're getting calls from West Virginia, the foundations and the community partners there are now wanting to send funds and collect money there and pay it forward we're getting calls from new york city i got a call from florida uh these the footsteps where mds has been people are getting the word out saying well if you want your money to go somewhere give it to those metanites they can get the work done uh, like geez, creating all these expectations so the beauty is it's a long-term effort. We don't have to spend it all in one day. This will be a long, long, long. haul. That's why, that's why they call this long-term recovery. Those out there listening, I want to give a shout-out to say you may not feel like you can be on the front lines or even lift a shovel or swing a hammer or whip up mashed potatoes for 30 people, but with praying, with donating, you can make a huge difference.
0: And uh, I'm wondering, Kevin, and it's going to be a, a marathon, as you said, so w- when are you and your scout team, when are you going to be able to put your head on your own pillow? When do you get a get a break from this initial uh, assessment phase and, uh, and start to coordinate all the all work the yeah. and volunteers that will be coming?
1: Well, our ticket says I'm coming home Sunday morning. I haven't told my wife yet. That, I, that may change, but we're still trying to hold true to that. We found a, a coordinator. I'm not able to announce his name yet. He's got to confirm that with his family, able to be here long-term for Mennonite Disaster Service. He is bilingual. He grew up in Texas. And we do have volunteers willing to stay for two and three weeks at a time. We need that long-term consistency to maintain a presence in the community. So if people want to continue to learn what's going on, follow our Facebook, follow our website, and uh, stay tuned.
2: Well, thank you, Kevin, for taking the time in the midst of your busy schedule to check in with us. I hope that those of you listening will take the initiative and go follow MDS on Facebook and Twitter, all those places we were talking about, and consider making a donation to help with these relief efforts, too. At the Mennonite, we're also trying to stay in touch with Mennonite pastors and get their first-person reflections as they're going through this recovery process as well. So hopefully people will stay tuned. Thanks again, Kevin, and we wish you many blessings in this continued work here.
1: Thank you. Thank for this opportunity to give a shout out. And again, thank you to our constituents and those that will give. It does make a difference. God bless you.
0: Take care, Kevin, thanks.